I've said a few times throughout this series that the Ten Commandments, they are not a ladder by which if we keep them, we can climb up and get closer to God or look better to God. They're not a ladder. The Ten Commandments are a wall, an impenetrable wall, which keep us, if anything, they keep us from God. We, we shouldn't think about them as, as something that we can do, because it's impossible, we can't. We should, however, think of them as something we should do. And the fifth commandment is no different at all. Even though at first glance, it might seem like the one that the biggest number of us could really keep. Because it's just four words long. It's you shall not murder. Like it's pretty easy not to kill somebody. But then you hear Jesus like you heard him earlier in Matthew 5 say, you've heard it said, you shall not murder, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. He equates anger and murder, and it causes your eyebrows to go up. And anger, anger is brutally powerful. And to see, to see evidence of that, we need to go no further than the very first set of brothers in the Bible, Cain and Abel. Listen to what happened as recorded in Genesis chapter 4. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said to him, With the help, she said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. This is God's word. It's a horrific story. There's no, there's no way around it. This is not gracing the cover of any children's Bible out there. I've got a friend. He said a few weeks ago, he was reading the Bible to his kids at night, a children's Bible, and he actually just skipped over this story because it's like the second or third one in the, in the Bible. He said, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. Not tonight. But it's important for us to sit in this story and take it all in. Because the same anger that caused Cain to murder his brother Abel, it's the same anger 
that comes into us. It's the same anger that is crouching at our door, desiring to have us all the time. So the first question is, what even, what even happened here? Why, why was this? And it's not this. It's not as though God likes meat and he does not like his fruits and vegetables. And so he was happy with Abel bringing meat and Cain bringing fruits and vegetables. No, that wasn't it. The fact that he looked with favor on Abel's offering and not with favor on Cain's had nothing to do with what they brought. It has to do with why they brought it. 1 John 3 verse 12 says, Why did Cain murder Abel? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So somehow, Cain's offering was evil and Abel's was good. Um, and it, an offering to the Lord is quite simple. It's an offering to the Lord. That means it's not for you, it's for the Lord. It, it's the same now as it was back then. An offering to the Lord is you choosing to give up something. Something that is meaningful, something that you could definitely use, whether it's meat or vegetables or fruits or money. It's you choosing to give something up that you could use as an act of faith and trust and thankfulness to God. So in one way or another, it, it had to be that Cain's offering was not about that. In one way, it had to be about himself. Um, we don't know exactly because we can't be in the mind of Cain, but maybe he was thinking, hey, if I give, maybe he gave his best fruits and vegetables, but he gave them for himself. He was thinking, wow, if I give this offering to God, he's going to be so happy with me. And I've got these three problems, but if I give my best fruits and vegetables, he's going to make them better. Well, that's not an offering to the Lord. That's an offering to himself. Or maybe it was different. Like I said, we don't know. Maybe he held back from his best fruits and vegetables and he said, you know what, these ones are they're going to be rotten in like a day. I don't really need them that much, so I'm going, to, I'm going to give those to God. And by doing that, he was showing that he ultimately trusted not in God, but he trusted in himself and in what he was able to produce in the fields. What was it exactly? I don't know. But the Bible tells us Cain's offering was evil. And then God came to Cain. Because when Cain found out, however he found out, that God didn't look with favor on him, the Bible says he was, he was angry because of that. And don't miss this. God reached out to Cain. He came to him and he said, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And then God spoke the, the universal truth that anger is truly a gateway drug. Anger leads to more sin. In fact, sin in general leads to more sin. Um, we've probably all thought, oh, just this one time, and then it'll be out of my system. Then, then I'll be better. But that's not how it works. The Bible says, if you do not do what is right, in other words, if you sin, then, then sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. And the response it's heartbreaking because Cain doesn't respond. He refused God's overture. The very next words are, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. He doubled down on his anger and out in the field, 
anger led to murder. And there's just, there's just no way, there's no way around it. It's just a horrific act that was birthed in anger. Now this week I, I did some reading. I read a few articles from various sources in psychology about the psychology of anger. And I learned a lot. I'd highly recommend looking it up. It helped me identify why I get angry in the times that I get angry. But listen to what this article from Psychology Today says. It says, most often, anger is a secondary emotion. It can take shape instantly and unconsciously in response to something or someone that evokes feelings of hurt, fear, and or inadequacy. Anger serves several defensive purposes. It works as a shield that deflects uncomfortable primary emotions so that they can be avoided or kept at a distance. Number two, it provides, anger provides a sense of power and control. And number three, anger directs focus outward to identifiable external scapegoats. And it says whether individuals, groups, or institutions. Anger is almost always easier, or it is almost always easier and more comfortable to focus on the actions of others than it is to focus on oneself. Now I'll say again, I can't be in the mind of Cain, but that's Cain, isn't it? Anger, he wasn't just angry because he was angry. Maybe he was angry because he was trying to mask his guilt. Maybe he felt incredibly guilty. Maybe he knew that he deliberately didn't give an offering to the Lord, but he was basically giving an offering so it would benefit himself. And he couldn't live in this guilt, and he also couldn't bring himself to apologize and confess his sin. And so he tried to cover up his guilt with anger. Because it felt good in the moment to be angry because he just couldn't live with his guilt. Or maybe, maybe he felt inadequate. Maybe he knew that he had failed and now his brother, look, his brother had a higher standing than he did and, and he couldn't live with the feeling of being inadequate. And anger, you know, it gives you a sense of power and control. And so he decided to do that and maybe it was unconscious at first but then he liked that feeling of power and control that anger gave him and now, hey, at least now I feel better than my brother and I don't feel inadequate because when there's angry, there's no room for feeling inadequate. Maybe those things, but I think above all, and this is just me, it's not in the Bible, I think Cain's anger flowed from him believing that he wasn't being treated like he deserved to be treated. He was Cain. He was the first son in the history of the world. And he was the older one. He deserved more than this. Like, God should look on him with the benefit of the doubt. God should treat him better because he, he's Cain, the first son of Adam and Eve. He felt like he was entitled and he deserved certain things from God. And he didn't get him. And so he looked for an external scapegoat. And he took his own problem and he projected it on Abel. And he said, Abel, this is your fault. It's not just that I 
gave an offering with a bad heart in an evil way. Abel, this is your fault. And so the solution here is for you to go. Anger, it gave way to the sin of murder that was crouching at Cain's door. Um, as the Psych Today article said, it's easier and more comfortable to focus on the actions of others than it is to focus on oneself. And when you and I, when we focus on the actions of others and how they've hurt us, and like they've probably legitimately hurt you in some cases, but when you focus on that and you get angry and resentful, there's no room for loving others because you're blinded by your anger and you're unable to care for them. So your anger hurts other people, but also it hurts yourself. And I'll quote the great psychologist Mark Twain who said this. He said, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. So what's the antidote? What's the antidote to anger? In the articles that I read, there's some great answers. And we should pay attention to them because God made us psychological beings with reason and logic. But one of the things it said was, identify the primary emotion that your anger is a reaction to and don't run from it. It said it doesn't feel good to feel inadequate or guilty or sad or heartbroken, but don't run from those emotions. Anger feels better in the moment than all of those things, but it's not better. And I, even just in the last 24, 48 hours, I found that helpful. Make use of that. And, and the deep down antidote to anger, to your anger for others, to your anger at yourself and your anger at God, the antidote is that God doesn't have any anger for you. This kind of scares me every time I say something like it, but imagine if all the people in this room, imagine the people you came here with, if you came with anybody, imagine the person you're closest to in the world, imagine how they would feel about you. Imagine the anger they would have towards you if they knew every single thought that went through your mind. If they didn't just see the actions, but, but they knew every thought that you held back from doing the action, if they knew every word that you left unsaid, but man, you wanted to say it, every look you gave, if they knew just how many of your and my thoughts centered on ourselves. Like we appear to be selfless creatures and wonderful, but how often our motives are not totally pure. Imagine if they knew every single bad thing you've ever done. That's a scary thought. And the fact is, God knows. He knows everything. He even knows more than you and I know. And yet he doesn't have any anger. He is constantly guarding your life now and forevermore because Jesus came down to this earth and he laid down his life for you. Jesus was that external outside scapegoat. God hates sin and he's angry at it, but he directed all his anger at Jesus. And so the good news is there is no no anger from God at all that is left for you. None. And when that fact hits your heart, it's good in two ways. It's the antidote for anger in two ways. Number one, it simply takes away 
your guilt. And it tells you that your status between you and God is perfect. And then secondly, it takes away your anger for other people. Because you're okay with feeling inadequate or sad or heartbroken or guilty. You don't need to mask any of those things with anger. Because you know that in God, you are completely adequate. He loves you. You know that you're not actually guilty because he took away all your sins. You know that as much sadness and heartbreak as you're feeling right now, after this relatively short life is over, that sadness and heartbreak is going to be made whole in a way that you can't even imagine. And somehow it will be worth going through all the heartbreak that you go through because of how good your eternal life is with God. In the story of the Good Samaritan, you and I are the ones on the side of the road. And Jesus is the Samaritan and he really shouldn't have stopped. It was endangering his own life because the robbers were still probably around. He shouldn't have stopped. No one would have expected him to, but he did. Not because we deserved it, but because he is full of love. And you and I, we don't deserve anything. Not a single thing. And that changes your whole perspective on everything in life because everything you have, you recognize it as a gift because we don't deserve anything and that sounds like I'm diminishing us and I am. But when we diminish ourselves, it maximizes God's love. I don't deserve anything. So I don't have Cain's issue. I don't have to get angry at Abel because I'm not getting the honor or the glory I deserve. I don't deserve anything. And yet God chooses to give it to me. And so you're free. Like we sang in the song, we love because he first loved us, asking not if it's deserved, giving when it isn't earned. You can be, you can be your brother's keeper or your sister's keeper because God is the constant guardian of your life. Your life here, your life now, your life forevermore. And I'm going to leave you with this. I'm not going to dive deep into it. I'm just sharing kind of a dream, a vision with you. What if you, as an individual, and what if Christians in general, what if we were known as people who never, ever got angry? How beautiful how beautiful that would be. The truth is, you don't have to be. Because the good news is, there's no anger from God that's directed at you. Amen.